Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen? And so are you! <laughs> Welcome back, my Screamers. Welcome back to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets bent. Tonight is episode 18. That's right. I'm old enough to fuck, I'm old enough to drive, and I'm old enough to get drafted. And I totally got the best fake ID so I could totally get into the club tonight, but that's totally not the point right now. The point is that tonight I'm going to be reviewing the claustrophobic rock climbing Danny Boyle epic 127 hours. Would somebody please give this man a hand? <laughs> and then the crapshoot returns to check out the hallucinogenic, sort of erotic mindfuck thriller, Someone's Knocking at the Door. But the question is, do you want to answer? <laughs> so sit your tryptophan bloated carcasses down, open up your ears, and have yourselves a great time because it is showtime. Jazz hands. The zombie apocalypse. We all know it's coming, and some hope for it. But are you ready for it? Are you doing your research on how the dead will rise, and how you'll fight them? If not, you should be listening to the Mail Order Zombie Podcast. This weekly show provides intelligent reviews of zombie movies and post-apocalyptic books to let you know what you should be watching and reading to get you ready. I know what you're thinking. This is just Hollywood's ideas, not the real world. That's why MOZ brings in experts with segments on real-world survival tips, medical advice you'll need, and how to store and find food in a post-apocalyptic world. The Mail Order Zombie podcast can be found at www.mailorderzombie.com and subscribe to in iTunes. The Mail Order Zombie podcast, getting you ready for the night dawn, day, and every moment in between of the dead for over two years. Okay, before we get started, I just want to say a huge thank you to everybody who turned out for the first Xbox viewing party that we had on Saturday night. It was a great success, although there was a last-minute change of plans. Instead of watching the intended Caged Fury, I decided to switch movies over to the more seasonally appropriate Thanksgiving. And this hereby introduces the theme for this episode, which is... A queen has a right to change his mind. Write it down, it will be coming up a few times later. Anyway, also I just wanted to make my apologies to everybody who couldn't get in, because it was the first time I tried doing this, and there was problems keeping everybody in the room, people kept getting bumped, and thank you to Zombie Hunter Tony for figuring out the problem, now you just have to teach me how to do it for when it happens next time. But Thanks Killing was deliciously awful, and I had a great time watching it with everybody, especially since we were all really drunk. I was drunk before we even started, because Bradford and I went to see a friend of mine, Karen, she's in this uh, cabaret group called Gashole, which is a long story, but they're always really fun, and really dirty, and really raunchy, and they encourage heavy drinking, because... The more you drink, the better they sound. And so we drank a lot because it was required. So by the time the movie was over, I don't even remember the ending of the movie. All I remember, there was lots of burping from my end and also lots of gobbling from everybody's end. There was lots of people going, wah, 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 quite a bit. So as you can see, it was a very mature, very art house kind of crowd 
No, it wasn't. I can't even pretend. But anyway, I'll, uh, I'm going to plan on having another one. I'm not sure when it's going to be because December is kind of a rough month for me because I'm in rehearsals for my big concert with the New York City Gay Men's Chorus at Town Hall on Sunday, December 19th, which I should probably do a promo for, which I'll probably start working for as soon as I start stop recording this part right here. Anyway, so another official viewing party might not be until January, but by all means, friends on Xbox, if you see me on there and you've got something you want to watch... By all means, interrupt me. I'm not doing anything important, for Christ's sakes. I'm on Xbox. God! And of course, I really should have brought this up before I talked about Thanksgiving. I hope everybody out there had a really happy Thanksgiving. And for those of you out in the UK, Woody, I know you don't celebrate Thanksgiving, but I hope you were thankful that you were at last rid of all those annoying Puritan assholes for good. Okay? Okay. Happy holidays for everybody. What else did I want to talk about? Oh, speaking of Xbox, I wanted to talk about the Red Dead Redemption downloadable content that just became available, Undead Nightmare, which introduces zombies into the Western game. And I've been playing it for a week now, and I have to say I like it. I wasn't sure at first. I thought it was going to be kind of lame, but it, it's pretty good. It's actually kind of hard. I've, I found the original game kind of easy with the auto-aim and everything. Nothing was particularly challenging. It was a great adventure, but I, I didn't find anything too hard. But this is really kind of hard. The controls are all of a sudden kind of clunky. Before, you were taking aim at stuff. You could find a place to hide. And just, but you got to run from these motherfuckers. And you got to hit them in the head to go to zombies. And that's how you do it. But anyway, so far, so good. I like it. Totally worth the 800 points. So if you like Red Dead Redemption and you like zombies, well, you do the math. Because I don't do that sort of thing. Hey, did anybody else catch that new show on the Sundance channel? Girls who love boys who love boys. Yeah, it's a reality show about the fag hags. Or whatever they're calling them these days. Apparently that's an offensive term, but no one's come up with anything better. And I hate fruit fly. That's just stupid. That's all. Yes, you're an insect that eats poop. It hangs around gay people. No, that's just stupid. Anyway, I, I had a good time watching it. I got much, much to say about it. But uh, if you don't know what's out there, check it out. It's much better than the goddamn A-list. And that's the last time I'm ever bringing that piece of crap up on this show. And speaking of reality shows, there are some days I feel gayer than others, and today I was feeling less gay. So I said to myself, Patrick, what can you do to make yourself that much more gay, to put you right over the edge, to put you into real sparkle territory? So I sat down in front of the Logo channel on the TV, and I started watching The Arrangement, which turned out to be a reality show about floral arranging. Floral arranging. And I said, yep, this is going to do it. This is putting me right in the pink zone. And what happened was the guest star was Omarosa, who you might remember from The Apprentice, the super bitch from The Apprentice, the Apprentice and the Celebrity Apprentice and really not much else. And I hate this woman. I'm like, you're a celebrity for no reason. You are a horrible business person. You're a horrible person. You're a total bitch and you're a fake bitch because you're playing being bitch without actually being a bitch. But yet here you are on my TV yet again. And here's the thing. They had to go and make little, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Corsages for her. Uh, and they had to present them to her one by one. Already I'm like, bleh, uh, 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 uh. And this one guy goes in. This guy's Emil. His name is Emil. He goes in and hands her his corsage. And he's like, yes, well, I thought of you, Almarosa. And I thought of your personality. And your personality is explosive. So... I wanted something that just exploded, so I used pussy willows, and I'm like, oh, come on! Come on! It's not bad enough that every horror movie I watch has some kind of exploding vagina in it, but now I turn on reality TV and there's exploding pussy willows. But it's just not fair. I just can't escape it. 
And speaking of pussy willows, I just wanted to bring up that Bradford and I went to Broadway t- uh, this week to see Mrs. Warren's Profession by George Bernard Shaw. And I know all of you are going, who the fuck cares? Well, this is why I bring this up. The, the production itself was okay, but the whole reason I went was to have a chance to get to see Cherry Jones on stage. Because she's been gone for a while. Who the fuck is Cherry Jones, are you asking? Well, Cherry Jones is considered to be one of the greatest living um, theater actors in the world right now. So to get a chance to see her on stage is golden. You must seize it. Seize it, seize it, seize it. And uh, those of you who don't go to the theater, you would probably know her. She used to play the president on 24 in the last few seasons. She was also the sheriff in Signs with uh, M. Night Shyamalan and everything like that. But she is an incredible actress, and that is why she is one of my favorite lesbians. Did you like that? That's going to be a recurring theme of this show every now and then. Because I got a lot of favorite lesbians. Oh, and besides being a great actress, I worked with Cherry Jones. Uh, I worked with her on her upcoming movie, The Beaver, with Jodie Foster. So that's two lesbians in one beaver. Plus me. How about that? But Jodie Foster is another one of... My favorite lesbians. But she'll have her own segment at another time. I also went to the theater this week and saw a children's play called Dr. Frankincense and the Christmas Monster. Why are you even bringing this up, Patrick? Well, this is why. I had a friend in the show, and that's why I went. And when I got there, I saw that it was written by Sean Abley. Who the fuck is Sean Abley, do you ask? Well, Sean Abley is is a friend of mine. Well, an old friend of mine that I was friends with for a couple of years in the 90s and lost touch with over time. But he's a big, famous Hollywood screenwriter out in Hollywood. And what brought us together in the first place was our rabid love of horror movies and specifically Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So all of a sudden, I was very excited for this, to see the show. And it was children's theater, but you know what? It was a wonderfully comic horror bent on Christmas children's theater, and it was delicious and wonderful and fun. And I went and, and Googled him, and aside from his regular writing duties, he has a whole line of Christmas, uh, not Christmas, children's plays with horror bents. And I say, bravo, bravo, way to cater to the future scream queens of the world, Mr. Sean Abley. I'm also going to be talking at some point about some of Sean's movies, because he's directed a few uh, gay-themed horror movies, which deserve to be talked about right here, because that's what we're supposed to be talking about. Uh, He's done Gay Bed and Breakfast of Terror, which I have not seen, and he's done a movie called Socket, which I did see and was fascinated by. So we're definitely going to be talking about that one. And if you don't know already, Sean is also the moderator of the Gay of the Dead blog over on Fangoria.com. So go over there and check that shit out, yo. Yo. Lastly, before I go any further, I have to ask all of you a very serious question. I need to know, is there anyone else out there who, during your childhood, was completely 100% traumatized by the movie Snoopy Come Home. I was flicking channels last night and poof, there it was on the family channel and all the memories came rushing back. I remember when that was coming on one summer night and I had my sister hurry home, taking me home from the pool so I wouldn't miss it and I sat down and I was destroyed emotionally. I was inconsolable by the end of the film. It didn't matter that Snoopy came home and everything was going to be all right. I was a wreck. My perm had fallen. My mascara was running down my face. I was a sight to behold. 
I look like someone they woke up in the middle of the night on the Andrea Doria. And I just need to know, is there anyone else out there who suffered this injustice at the hands of Charles M. Schultz and Associates? Sure, he just ditches all of his friends for some girl with some mysterious illness. But then in the end, he, the poor girl's gonna die. Now she don't even have a dog. He left her too. What's wrong with you, Snoopy? Oh yeah, and if that isn't bad enough, there's this bitch. Fundamental Don't even hand me any of this we're gonna be fundamental friend-dependent people because this bitch is crazy. She's crazy. The, the first thing she does is slap this giant rope around Snoopy's neck and she beats the crap out of him. She's dragging him around. She dresses him up. She parades him around. She makes poor tea. Treats him like a slave. Who the fuck is this girl? Does she grow up to be Patricia Ramsey? Plus your song is annoying. It's been in my head all goddamn day. Fuck you. You gotta understand, I have a connection to Snoopy. Because back when I was in college, I spent four years playing Snoopy in Snoopy the Musical. Not You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. This is the follow-up to the good, You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. And for some reason, the dog just would not die. That show just kept coming back in different, different incarnations over and over again ad nauseum. It would be terrible. Anytime I would walk into the local gay piano bar, which is, I guess is kind of redundant, They'd be like, hey, it's Patrick. I'd run into people years after that and they'd be like, hey, Snoop. Or I'd just get phone messages going, Snoopy, Snoopy. I'm like, shut up. He's a fickle, heartbreaking bastard, and that's why he represents MetLife. Oh, yeah, Mr. Bradford, I did that. Sue me. Leave him out of it. He needs to be euthanized. He does need to be euthanized. Anyway. I just needed to get that off my chest. And now I can get back to my regular schedule program and my regular life. You know, I'm not, I'm not the kind of person who mopes about, you know, cartoon characters losing their cartoon dog. No, I'm not. I, I'm a free spirit. I'm freewheeling. I dance in the streets. I sing on the subways. I enjoy New York at its finest. All the, the nightlife and the theater and... Oh my god, I'm that girl. <gasps> I think I'll get heavily overdressed and go fly a kite. Okay, kids, it's finally time to talk about the new Danny Boyle film, 127 Hours, which is, of course, the true story of adventurer Aaron Ralston and his adventure when he gets caught literally between a rock and a hard place. And don't think that's me being clever. That's the name of the book that this movie was based on. And now here's something you'll really like. The trailer. There must be some freaking camera Different from animals Makes us all the same 
say? So the guidebook says that the route's through here. And I know a better way. All you have to remember is that everything will be okay. further i have a confession to make if i sound less than enthusiastic in the review of this movie i apologize because it's a great movie the reason i'm cranky is because i just realized i deleted my original review of this show now as i've said before i tend to record the show out of order you know i record things as they come up to me just because you know it's, it's just me here i'm flying solo i'm not sitting down with a panel all the time with a list of things to discuss when i see a movie that i like i sit down right afterwards and i record something while it's still fresh and i build up a little bit of a bank so when new things come up, you know, new releases, I can then just pull something from the bank and fill out the show and give you guys a nice rounded hour or so of entertainment. But Patrick totally effed the bird this week. What bird? What bird am I talking about? I'm making up expressions now. I fucked up is what I'm trying to say. I deleted the whole thing, so all of my brilliant insights that I came up with about this movie, I hope I can remember for you, because it would be sad that they're lost to the ages, because they were genius. They would change your life. They would grow hair on your chest, which for some of you wouldn't be a great idea. But I'm digressing. We're here to talk about this movie. Now, first of all, I can hear a lot of you out there saying, Patrick, this isn't really a horror movie. This is an adventure film. And I say, no, 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 you out there, because I can hear you, you know. It's one of my magical powers. I say fie, fie on you naysayers is what I say because this deals with some truly horrific stuff and not just the gore that you're expecting to get. Now, we all know how this movie starts. Yes, guys out hiking, falls down a ravine, gets stuck under a rock. We know that going in. Also, it's a true story. So going in, we know how it ends. He gets out and thanks to the publicity of the whole story, we know what he does to get his freedom and save his own life. He cuts off his own arm. So why should I go see this movie? I already know everything. No, you don't. It shows what a great director Danny Boyle is and the screenwriter, and really the whole production company behind this, is that this whole film is about what happens in between. That's where the drama is. That's where the passion is. That's where the invention is. That's where the adventure is. And that's where the horror is. One of the things I liked immediately about this movie was that they didn't put up the title card for probably a good half an hour into the film. They had opening credits. You know, with that funky song that Danny that I was just playing in the, in the trailer. That the da da dum get at man. Dum 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 dum. You heard it already. Why am I singing it for you? Because it's my show and I can. Anyway, so we meet him and he's out biking in the desert and he runs into these two girls that are lost. And these two girls are played by Kate Mara and Amber Tamlin. Now, Kate Mara, I was not familiar with, but when I looked her up at IMDb, I see that she used to be on 24, which is an awesome show. And for genre fans, she was also in Urban Legends Bloody Mary, which is a huge pile of shit. But you know what? Don't hold that against her. She's great in this. And also, there's Amber Tamlin, who's, of course, Joan of Arcadia. Yay. There's sarcasm there. And also, for genre fans, she was in The Grudge too, for which everyone involved should burn in hell for all eternity. But again, don't let that hold you back. 
Anyway, they run into them. They're lost in the desert. He helps them find where they're going to. But on the way, they stop and have this wonderful adventure in an underground cave in this secret lake. And it's really exciting and beautifully shot. And it's, it's romantic and, and, and vivacious. And he says goodbye to them. He invite, they invite him to a party. And he goes off by himself like, I am the greatest. I got two girls who want me. And that's when he has his accident. And it's not until... The boulders fall. He looks at his hand, realizes the situation, and looks at the camera with that, oh, fuck, sort of a look. Does the title card finally come up? 127 hours, saying, the movie's starting now. And I was like, that was cool. I like that. Something else I liked about this is that even though he's trapped in this horrible place, this claustrophobic place, there's such a sense of life to the movie, which is surprising. I mean, you're always aware of how much life there is just right outside of where he is. You know, there's, there's the birds and there's ants all over the place. And there's always this huge, sprawling, panoramic shots of this incredible de- desert landscape outside, you know, with bright blue skies and beautiful horizons. And you're down a hole and nobody can see you. Did the contrast of that was really nice. Unlike Buried, which initially I didn't want to go see this movie because I just saw Buried. I reviewed that a few episodes ago, which of course was the story of Ryan Reynolds waking up trapped in a coffin. And I said, all right, I've already seen this story. I've already seen Guy trapped down a hole. Do I need to see another one? Yes, I did, as a matter of fact. They're two completely different movies. Um, and as I was just saying, with the whole panoramic nature of this one, the, the wide vistas just outside, Buried kept you trapped inside that coffin with Ryan Reynolds. You never saw anything outside. There was nothing outside. Whereas in this film, you're very much aware that everything's just a couple of feet above your head. And it sounds like a small difference, but you know, it, it's a huge difference. One, it, it really made all the world for some reason. Uh, gave the movies two completely unique flavors and thus kept me interested in both. And oh my God, the ceiling caving in on top of me because we have fat people who live upstairs who apparently are doing aerobics. Shut up. I'm doing a podcast. God. And again, it's a credit to the director and the screenwriter how deftly they're able to fill this huge amount of time in between this accident and him getting free because we all know the two things are happening. And um, through a series, it would be very... It, it's a credit also to James Franco as an actor being able to handle this much camera time and um, not make it boring or repetitive or silly or, or whatever. In typical Danny Boyle style, there's lots of flashbacks, hallucinatory flashbacks to him thinking about home and his family and growing up. And also this morning, God, I wish I took that call from my mom. God, why didn't I tell anybody that I was going? So he's got hours and hours and hours and hours to think about how much he fucked up, how much this is all his fault, and how much he's going to lose in this completely silly, ridiculous situation. Now, some of you might be saying, oh, big deal, is hallucinatory flashbacks, but these are Danny Boyle hallucinatory flashbacks. This guy knows how to do a flashback sequence to freak your ass out. Train spotting anyone? Hello? Granted, there's no babies on the ceiling, you know, creepy baby dolls crawling on the ceiling, but there's some, there's some really horrific stuff going on here. And finally, when it gets down to it, the big scene, the big scene we all know is coming, the one that has us cringing even before we've sat down in the movie theater. When it finally happens, you're thinking, okay, can it really be that bad? It's not going to be that bad. It's mainstream release. This isn't going to be that bad. It's pretty damn bad. And I'm not just talking about the gore. It's really gory. Yes, you get to see lots of blood and goo and sinew and bone snapping and everything like that. But Danny Boyle takes it a step further by adding... Oh, God damn it! I can't think of the really intelligent word I used to describe this, but it's not symbolic and not representational. God damn it, I'll think of the word as soon as I start recording. 
stylized. The word I'm trying to think of is stylized. He doesn't just present the amputation literally. He also adds the stylization of it as well. So it communicates things that you just can't get across visually, like through sound effects and through quick cuts and lighting and weird camera lenses and stuff. You get a feeling of what it might feel like if when amputating one's arm, one finally hits a nerve with the knife and let's say the nerve won't cut through and you have to keep hacking at it with the knife and you have to pull the nerve out of your own arm and down the length of your arm and it still won't come across. You get an idea of what that might feel like. Let me tell you, my teeth were on edge. I sat in my seat going, okay, this has been going on a really long time. This man has been hacking at his arm for what feels like an eternity. It can't possibly be going on any longer. It must be over soon. And it's still going. Yeah, it's still going. Okay, okay, but no, no, now it's got to be over. Okay, this is the end. This is the end. Okay, no, it's not. Still got a little more to go. Uh, gotta be over now. Any second now. And eventually my brain just went into this weird sort of mode where it said, Patrick, you might as well relax because this scene is going to go on forever. It's never going to end. And after that, I just relaxed and kind of detached from it. Sort of like James Franco's character did in the movie. Dan, dan, dan. But you know what? After he gets his arm off, there's still a good 20 minutes to the film. That's not the end, so you don't know how it really goes. Okay, you want to know my one beef with this movie? You lie to me. You lie to me in your advertisements and tell me Lizzie Kaplan is going to be in your film. Now, Lizzie Kaplan, for those of you who don't know, she's best known for Cloverfield. She was the girl that was, like, really funny, and, you know, the cameraman really liked her, but then she got bitten and she exploded. That's her. I like her. She's a very gifted actress and a very talented comedian. And basically, I could go to a movie theater and watch her eat a bowl of cereal for two hours and be perfectly entertained. And now that I said that out loud, I realize that sounds really kind of odd. But I'm going to leave it that way. So when I saw her name go by in the credits, I was like, <gasps> Gay gasp. Lizzie Kaplan, I'm all excited and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and waiting. When she finally shows up, it's in a flashback literally for two seconds. She's just sitting on a couch looking down at her feet and that's it. She doesn't say a word. She's not referenced. I don't know who she was supposed to be in the movie, but fuck you. Aside from that, this movie's great. All in all, you owe it to yourself to see this film because it's a great movie. It's got everything. It's got your adventure. It's got comedy. It's got romance. It's got James Franco's left boob a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of flashbacks involving his left boob getting rubbed, but okay, that's fine. And it's got some horror, if you want to look at it this way. Plus, it's got Treat Williams. Granted, he's gotten old, but you know what? Treat Williams is always going to be skinny dipping in the movie hair for me. Woof, 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 woof. I just want to take the chest hair and take my face in it and go, but that's not the point right now. 127 hours, take two, and go see it. Hours, that is. That was the worst Chuck Woolery ever. Shut up, and aren't you sorry I lost that recording? Because this was horse shit. Look at this guy, gorgeous. Gorgeous. Look at, look at this guy, gorgeous. Gorgeous. Hold on to your pampers, bitch asses. 
It's time for the crap shoot! <laughs> Paul? 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 Oh. Alright, the crab shoot, as you know, is when I take a chance and dive headfirst into the vast sea of direct DVD horror movie releases in search of a diamond in the shit pile. This week, I'm taking a look at someone's knocking at the door, but they're not using their hand, but we'll get into that later. Yeah, I know some of you saw my tweet on the Twitter saying that this movie, uh, the Crapshoot movie for the week was changed to Grim Love. But what did I tell you earlier? A queen has the right to change his mind. See what happened was, no one I don't have to explain myself. Fuck you. I changed my mind. Anyway, I'm not playing a trailer for this movie because the trailer doesn't really suit itself for audio very well and there's a lot of spoilers in it and it would not so much spoil the movie but it would spoil my review and I want the shock factor, goddammit. So no preview for you. We're just going to get right down into the dirty business. Now let me start by saying just a couple things about this movie. I don't know where to start. I'm not even sure I know how to describe this movie. That's my first point. The second point is I had some mojitos beforehand just so I can get through this properly. God, I'm this podcasting is turning me into an alcoholic. I never drink, <clears throat> but now I do. Anyway, <laughs> how's that for timing? So, Rather than try to describe the plot, I'm just going to walk you through the opening a little bit. <laughs> walk you through my opening. No, no, the movie's opening. Anyway, the movie starts, and I really kind of enjoy the opening sequence a lot. Uh, the title credits, because it was all this vintage public service kind of footage-looking stuff, like from old 50s and 60s movies, alternating between kids playing and people using drugs. As a matter of fact, during the title sequence, every time they show the title, they keep cutting back to the shot of a rain of pills just raining from the sky. And pills and syringes and and joints and all this other stuff and so clearly this has something to do with children and drugs. Not exactly. If you consider med students children, then yes, it does. But there's a lot of drugs and there's a lot of med students. So the movie opens on this guy sitting alone in his room and he's shooting up with something or other. And just as the high hits, just as the high hits, someone's knocking at the door. Hence the title. <laughs> So he's all mad. He's like, yo, you're ruining my high, man. But they keep knocking on the door. So he gets up to go check it out. He opens the door to find a butt-ass naked woman standing there. You know, like happens all the time. You know, it's either the Girl Scouts, it's the Mormons, or it's some butt-ass naked woman. And she jumps his bones. Doesn't say a word, but just dives in and jumps his bones. And so you're wondering, is this guy tripping balls? Is this actually happening? We don't know yet. And so they start making out, you know, and we're all like, okay, what does this woman want? What does this woman really want? And we're all about to find out. Because she makes her intentions perfectly clear when she says, I'm gonna fuck you. Fuck you till you die. Okay, as an icebreaker conversation, that's a little obscure, but okay. You're probably thinking, oh, that's just an expression. But no, it's really, really not Actually, know what? She's lying because she doesn't fuck him to death. See, what happens is he's looking at himself in the mirror like, oh my God, I can't believe this has happened to me. And all of a sudden, when he looks in the mirror again, it's not the woman anymore. It's Ezra Buzzington, butt-ass naked, still wanting to fuck him till he dies, which he does, graphically. Okay, since the movie's been on approximately five minutes, 
And this is the way they're leaning off. You get a very strong impression that director Chad Fern is not going to be pulling any punches. And you know what? You are correct. Because this movie is, in fact, pretty damn depraved. I'm not even sure how to describe the plot. Because a lot of it is hallucinogenic and, and, and out of order. And just very strange. You're never really sure if what's happening is actually happening. Because, because let's face it, most of the main characters are higher than shit most of this movie. It turns out the guy you just saw killed was part of this group of med students. And these med students are all pretty fucked up. They're all dabbling in whatever drugs they find and don't really have a heck of a lot of morals, which I, I seem to be finding a lot in horror movies about med students. Are all med students this fucked up? Are you all drug fiend crazed lunatic people? Because that makes me look twice at my podiatrist, man. But that's not the point right now. Now, the main med student is played by Noah Segan, who you may remember from the movie Dead Girl. He was the crazy guy in Dead Girl. And he was also the spooky usher in All About Evil, which I reviewed right here on Scream Queens back in episode two. Now, this is a, I really like this actor a lot. And he's really great in this role and in this movie and the movie in general because his face basically looks like he's always seriously fucked up. Anyhow, he like he's always tripping balls on something. I'm not saying that he is or not. But he's just got that look about him. It's the eyes. He's got he's got crazy eyes. And in this movie, it really works. See, the victim was one of these med students, and it turns out they had all been fucking around in the archives doing whatever the hell med students do on their crazy times off. And they found these tapes, of a, a psychological study, of these two serial killers back in the 70s, John and Wilma Hopper, who are... Actually, the people that we just saw in that opening scene, the naked people who did the bad things to the first medical student. Anyway, they find all these Session 9-style tapes detailing their last psychological visit, whatever. Anyway, it turns that they were on this experimental drug called Taldon. And I'm sorry, every time they brought this drug up in the movie, I'm like, Taldon, take me away. Shut up. And while we don't really get a real sense of what Taladon does, you kind of get the feeling whatever it does didn't work. Like, they were already raping people to death anyhow with multiple personalities. And apparently, rather than separating the multiple personalities or helping the personalities, it just brought them all to the forefront and or something. Whatever, it really doesn't matter because this is all, this is all unimportant backstory. These med students find a bottle of Taladon and being crazy med students, they're like, okay, let's all shoot up with it. So they shoot up with it and immediately find themselves being visited by John and Wilma who want to fuck them to death. Now, before we go any further, I just want to say, this is going to be a completely divisive movie. This is like the Blair Witch Project, in that you're either going to love it, or you're going to hate it. I really enjoyed it. And the reason I wanted to put this off for a week is that I enjoyed it enough that I saw it on uh, Xbox Instant Watch, but I wanted to see what the extra footage was, the bonus material was in the DVD. And when it turns out that the stuff on there was not particularly interesting, I figured I'd go ahead with this because my other choice, Grim Love, was interesting enough that I do want to see that bonus DVD. Are you confused? It doesn't matter. I have the right to change my mind. It's all you need to know. But let's talk about Ezra Buzzington. I really love Ezra Buzzington. I've met him in Whorehound. He's a very nice man. Uh, he was in the Hills Have Eyes remake and, and a couple of other things, a lot of genre stuff. And he's just a really, really sweet guy. And he's wonderful in this. He's so evil in this and scary and naked. Really naked. His performance is very scary and gross. And the thing that just got me is that he's got these cute little ears. He's got these cute little ears that stick out. I'm just like, oh, look at his cute little ears and his really tremendous cock. Did I mention his tremendous cock? We'll tell you what. Let's listen to the autopsy report, shall we? Okay, okay. Rape postmortem. 
No. He was alive for it. His tongue's been bitten out of his mouth. Some teeth. Yeah. Jagged bite. Possibly some sort of special denture. Mm. That what killed him? No. His colon was perforated by a phallus nearly four inches in diameter, 15 inches in length. Whoa, we're looking for a black man. Okay, now before all you scream queens who are also size queens get all excited about that, hold your horses, Mary, because 15 inches by four may sound exciting, but let's take a minute and think about it. You may be thinking, okay, 15 inches, that's a little bigger than I'm used to, but I'm sure I can handle it. But four inches, that shouldn't be bad. Okay, we're not talking four inches around. We're talking four inches thick. And when you see this guy running out to down the hallway with this giant thing swinging to the left and the right and hanging, hitting both walls on either side as it goes, you're going to say, you know what? Maybe not. Yeah, so there's a lot of male frontal nudity in this. And uh, I was very disappointed when I read the Netflix and IMDb reviews, IMDb reviews, that so many people were complaining like, oh, I would have really liked this movie if there wasn't so much dick in it. To which I say this, you know what? There was a... As much male frontal nudity as there was female frontal nudity in this film. And none of it was erotic. Either it was during a rape scene or it was an autopsy scene or it somehow involved a, a ghost or a corpse or something. So, okay, there was junk and there was, there was junk of both kinds and none of it was hot. But you know what it did have? This was new for me. You know my continuing problem that I have week after week after week after week with exploding vaginas? Well, this movie gave me something new that I never expected. This vagina did not explode, for which I am thankful. This vagina imploded, which I didn't think was possible, but I thought I was going to choke on my own tongue. So fuck you, Chad Farron and your imploding vaginas. Okay, so I'm coming out of the closet here. I really enjoyed this movie. It's got flaws, but it had enough to make me think and want to know more about what was going on beside, uh, behind the scenes and to talk about it with people afterwards as well. And to me, that makes a great movie, something that lingers on long after you've seen it. And, uh, okay, there's problems with the ending. The ending is a little bit lame. However, when I discussed it with somebody else, they're like, well, you might think it might have meant that, but what if it actually meant this? And to that, I went, <gasps> and then we talked about it for another two hours. And, again, this is what makes great filmmaking for me. That we're talking about a movie that we enjoyed rather than talking about what sucked about it. Aside from Noah Segan, there are tons and tons and tons and tons of genre people making cameo appearances and, 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 and all kinds of appearances in here. Joe Pilato's in this for starters. Joe Pilato is the uh, valedictorian, not the valedictorian, the, um, uh, the dean of the college, the medical school that they're going to. And uh, if you don't know, he was in Day of the Dead. Choke on him! Choke on him! Which actually, in this movie, you would choke on it. And somebody does. Oh, yeah. Things that I enjoyed about this movie that I know are going to drive people crazy is the surrealness of it. Is that you're never really sure if what is happening is actually happening. Or you're just seeing something through the eyes of a fucked up medical student. Like, I'm thinking, for instance, there's a scene uh, at the funeral of one of the medical students. And the funeral is like one of those New Orleans processions. But it's in the middle of the desert. There's nobody around. There's like five people attending. There's enough people to carry the coffin. And there's a guy in the front dressed as Baron Zomdi. Who, if you know, is the voodoo god of the dead or something like that. And, you know, you see him in all those new means funeral parades. But you're going, is this actually happening? Is this the funeral that they're having for this medical student? There's a weirdo Halloween party where things are going on. And we're like, is that happening? There's strange things that go on with the sound. Like a normal conversation is happening, but there's something underneath it. And the soundtrack on... 
You might hate it. I dug it. Fuck you. I really like the acting in this movie. Everybody is really, really solid. Even though they're not likable, I like them. Except the girl who plays the lead. I think her name is Meg. And just like on The Family Guy, Meg ruins everything. She just doesn't seem to be up to par with everybody else in this. And everybody's got great credits. Especially the girl who plays Wilma Hopper. Alina Madison. Who doesn't exactly have genre credits. But she's got some of my favorite titles. Like um, she was in Caged Lesbos A Go-Go. And hold on a second. Where's the other one? The Erotic Misadventures of the Invisible Man. I like this girl. (laughs) She's the one who never has her clothes on the whole movie. And I think she was cast not for her acting. But anyway... Almost everybody in this movie, too, seems to be in either Silent Night, Zombie Night, or Easter Bunny, Kill Kill, or both. And to which I say, awesome, I love both of those titles. I haven't seen any of them, but I'm loving the title. You know what? If you're brave, check it out. If you're not afraid of a little dick, check it out. Although there's no little dick in this, if you know what I mean. It's all huge. Huge. But just remember, for every dick, there is a vagina. There's a song to be had there. For every dick, there is a vagina. For every vagina, there is a dick. Stop it, Patrick. What are you talking about? Oh, my God. Someone's knocking at the door. I liked it. I think it's a gold mine. I think it's I think it's a diamond in the gold mine of shit. Shut up. You know what I mean? If you don't like it, write me. I want to hear your opinion. Let's have an argument before I hit you with my giant dick. There's a monster in my pants, and it does a naughty dance when it sees the light of Patrick, it's Joe and Cincy, Hello, and I uh, just wanted to call and uh, thank you for the suggestion or trying to arrange that uh, viewing party on Saturday, and apparently, uh, you know, fortunately, it didn't work out. No. However, I did Not stay, and I watched <laughs> the movie, and I really, you know, I enjoyed watching the movie. Well, good. Um, you know, I, I enjoy watching, you know, bad movies, you know, you know, it's even intentionally bad or not even non-intentionally bad. Um, you know, so bad it's funny, you know, and, and I think they were trying to be bad on purpose on this movie, yes, of course, but, yes, yes. you know, not unlike, you know, Glitter, which, you know, I absolutely love the movie Glitter, and I know I'm probably going to catch heat for that, but no, it's so bad, it's just, you know, Mariah Carey, she's just, like, not acting at all. They, like, she's not even, like, I don't know if she's even really trying in that movie. Everybody else is. But, it, well, they had to you cover know, it's it. horrible. But it makes me laugh, and it makes me feel good. So that's why. And that's what's important, movie, Joe. You know, like I said, you know, not maybe not terribly scary. There were a few parts that made me jump. You know, really? a few really gross parts. But you know, I enjoyed the movie. It was fun. You know, I'd love to watch more movies like that, or even scarier movies. So, looking forward to it. Hopefully, next time, you know, there won't be any problems with it. But you know, it, it I'm happened. learning. Anyway. I thought, you know, maybe I could also, yeah, I think I knew something, you know. I have a problem with that on the other podcast. I'll stop saying it. I was going to ask some advice from you, uh, Patrick. Yes, Uh, that's me. I have a little princess in our household. Her name is Nina. The Uh cutest little chihuahua you've ever seen. But maybe you haven't been the best daddy because, unfortunately, now she's in heat again. 
what am I going to do? So I was wondering, since I've seen this in a movie, if I were to throw tampons and maxi pads at her and told her to plug it up, if it would work, because, you know, she's got little menstrual blood here and there and everywhere. Ah! But, um, you know, if I do that, is she going to turn around and do, like, all this crazy shit to me and kill me, or what's going to happen? I don't know. Or is she just going to take the, you know, take the tampons and stuff and stink our toy? I don't know. I need to let me know. Bye. Wow. You know, Joe, when I got into podcasting, I never once considered the remote possibility that I would ever be asked to consider how to deal with your Chihuahua's Menzies problem. Or anyone's. Menzies problems, regardless of species or ownership. Um, you know what? I'm just going to step back and say, ask a vet, because I don't want to get a reputation of becoming some kind of like pet specialist during the mating season, and I have PETA crack down on me, which they're going to do if you throw tampons at your dog. Let me tell you this right now. They will not stand for that. I don't think Greenpeace would either, but you know, I don't, you know, get her fixed, Joe. That's what I would say. Get her fixed. Stop that shit altogether. God, I just, I, you know, I got through a whole show without anybody's exploding, without an exploding vagina again. And I even got through the movie, the Thanksgiving movie. Nobody's vagina exploded in that. No matter what you could say bad about the movie, nobody's vagina exploded. Now you dump this in my lap. That's not nice. That is not nice. And you know what? I think you made this whole story up just to gross me out. And it worked. Brava, bitch. Patrick, what's happening? Hey, man, it's Jay. Um, so hey, I Jay saw Emmett. Skyline. And I'm going to pretty yes. much agree with everything you said. It's not a bad movie. Yes, because I'm it's always not right. Overly exciting. No. But it's not bad. It's it's definitely not what I expected it to be. I expected uh, more action than than they actually delivered. But uh, it was fun. It was fun for mm-hmm. what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It, it, definitely, like you said, it, it, it's it's not a bad like um, rental or maybe Saturday matinee or like you said, if somebody's going to pay for you. See, I'm I always would, right. I would I'm recommend right. it. But uh, overall, it was okay. I'm sorry, I had to get quiet. I'm, I'm uh, picking my son up from school. I don't want to say anything too offensive while I'm here. Uh, oh. Little kids, you know. So it's appropriate that I'm calling your show, you know. Uh, what, what are you um, trying to say? What do you want to know, man? Horror Hound went by pretty well. It fuck you. It wasn't a bad time. wasn't as much fun, of course. Yeah, fuck you. Without Patrick there. That's right, fuck Patrick you. Patrick too. Help us get our groove on, if you know what I mean. There's a story about a bar that we went to um, one night there that turned out to be fairly interesting. I'll have to let you know about that. Again, can't get too details right now. Anyway, just are you breathing heavy, Jay? What's going on? Give you my two cents on that um, Skyline movie. Pretty awkward. I can't give any cool details because. You know, you're usually walking downtown in New York and crazy stuff's happening. And I'm like in middle America picking my son up from school where 
the mundane is happening. And if I bring up crazy stuff, people just give me weird looks and pull their kids away from me quickly. Yeah, oh, or maybe goodness. they just call them on the phone with you. I don't know. Anyway, sir, hopefully we will see you in Indy, and we will talk to you soon. Stay awesome. Okay, Jay, you know I love you, right? You know I love you. You know you're my good friend, right? That call was fucking creepy. You know, the way, you're at the school, and there's all this heavy breathing, or whatever the hell's going on, what wind tunnel you're speaking in, and you're whispering, and then just as you sign off there, that little girl screams. Did everybody hear that? Did everybody hear that? I'm going to have to splice this in right here. Hopefully we will see you in Indy, and we will talk to you soon. Stay awesome. What's going on, Jay Emmett? Who are you really picking up at this school? Hmm? Hmm? You're on Uncle Randy territory here, boy. You are messed up. However, you agree with my review, and so therefore I can't cite you too much for whatever sick thing you're doing because clearly you have some form of sanity because you acknowledge the fact that I know everything. I even know that you're not wearing pants right now. And so you know what? Ew. Moving on to the next call. Gross. Don't call me when you need bail. And say hi to Bubba while you're in there. Greetings, you pathetic, glitter-spewing, monosexual sitting spinner otherwise known as Patrick, host of the Scream Queefs Horror Puke Cast. This is Flindy Gargoyle, ass-kicker, name-taker, nose-picker, and cupcake-baker. Wait, what? What cupcake-baker? Never mind. Listen, you missy. You think you could just use me for your voiceover introductions for your pointless crapshoot and outro segments and then toss me away like an old sock? How dare you? How dare you? I am not your Don Pardo, motherfucker. I am Flimdy Gargoyle. I am the master of the underpants. Underworld. Underworld is what I meant to say. Underworld. And you are crossing the line with me. You promised me that I would be an integral part of your, quote, show. Instead, here I am, sitting out on my buttress outside your window, waiting to do something, waiting to share my gift with your audience. Instead, you have Mr. Brad on your show three times. Mr. Brad. He even gets his own theme song. Where's my theme song? Hmm? Now you've even got listeners calling in, clamoring to hear from me. Calling in and saying, please give me some flimsy gargoyle. We love him so much. He's so sexy. And I heard you, Mark, from Laverne, California. You wanted to know if Patrick was the voice of flimsy gargoyle. I am the voice of flimsy gargoyle. Flim is the voice of flimsy gargoyle, you useless piece of crap. And don't you ever forget that again. Because I am telling you, I'm not going. I am the best flim that you'll ever know. And you, and you, and you, I'm going to kill you. Sorry, I got carried away there. Well, uh, this is awkward all of a sudden. So I'm going to hang up the phone. But before I do, Patrick. I couldn't help but notice, as I was peeping in your window earlier, that you were looking for your house keys and you couldn't find them. Why don't you look in your dildo drawer? Bye. <laughs> <laughs> ow, ow.
I don't have a dildo drawer. No, I don't. I don't have a dildo drawer. Oh, see, Flem, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. You planted that seed into my audience's head. So now no matter what the truth is, they're all going to think I have a dildo drawer. Fine, I have a dildo drawer, and it's chock full of nothing but big black dildos. Are you happy? My windows are open. Next call. Hey, Patrick, this is Zombart with a Z calling. And I just had a uh, kind of a question I want to throw out there into the uh, the podmosphere and to yes. all your, your your listeners. And I don't know. It's, it seems like lots of people are starting to do their kind of wrap-up of the years already and wrap-up of the summers. And I just keep hearing so much incredible pessimism of these movie review sites, just people saying, mm. oh, I'm disenchanted with horror I, there's no good movies. I haven't seen a good movie in 30 years. Uh, you know, just yeah, people yeah, yeah. bitching and bitching, and I, I, it, it's always weird to me. I mean, I, well, <laughs> I, I just got the irony that I'm, ask, I'm asking a New Yorker about pessimism. <laughs> but hey, anyway, um, fuck like, you. I, I was just listening to a podcast earlier, and they were saying, oh, there, there's, there's just nothing, and how terrible the summer is. It seems to me, yeah. I can't remember the last time I listened to someone say, you know, this was a great summer for movies, or this was a great summer for horror, or uh-huh. anything. It's always, like, ten years removed. And with all the, like, the Saw talk nowadays, people are saying, oh, yeah, I would totally recommend the first Saw. The first Saw was amazing. It's just uh-huh. all the sequels that were bad. I remember, back when the first Saw came out, how much people hated that movie. I know. And they're saying know, the acting is terrible, and and uh, Carrie, um, uh, what was it, Carrie Yule? Uh, Always. Always. They're, they're saying how it's the worst acting that's ever been, and that it's oh, so. And that, now people are saying it's good, and I have to wonder what is this the the pessimism type? Uh, what at what point does it become? You know, it goes away. I guess what's. And oh, there's a word, a statue of limitations is what I was looking for, yeah, on pessimism. Yeah. And will, in 10 years, people be looking back and say, wow, that 2010, there were some good movies coming out then. Just the same way we say, oh, wow, that 1980, that had some good movies coming out then, when at the time, everyone was probably bitching about it like they are now. Yeah, I just yeah. went to the old IMDb oh, and never do that. made a list. Uh, of like the popular horror movies that came out, oh, okay, like okay, big yes, name movies yes. that I enjoyed. Uh-huh. That was horror, and I, I I did it by year. Um, only things that were either 2009 or 2010, uh-huh. and I came up with a list of like 23 movies that were good enough for me, not only to like and enjoy, but recommend to people. Step and it Peter up, 3D. Like I you know, it. Drag Me to Hell, Zombie Land, uh-huh. Human Centipede. Step it up, uh, Jennifer's Body, uh, The Collector, Vampire Girl vs. Frankenstein Girl, Carriers, Wreck 2, Dead Snow, House of the Devil, Hatchet 2. Um, I even like things like Zombies of Mass Destruction, Silent Night, Zombie Night, like All About too. Evil, Serbian Film. You know, it's not. I don't think the genre is dead. I think that we, we just seem to be, like, as a collective group, just always, like, against everything. And we don't recognize that, no, we are getting some good movies. Horror isn't completely destroyed and gone. And every year when I come around to my looking to see what am I showing at my Halloween party, 
there's always at least ten movies that are brand new. That step no it one up, step it up to the street, step it up 3D. So yeah, I'm just saying that I think if we all kind of broke down, and I know my list of things that I liked because I don't have Paranormal Activity two on my list, but I do have <sighs> Let Me In, Let It Go, stuff like that. I think if everyone God. made a list of what they actually saw and actually liked, they would be surprised that there's a lot more good than they expected. Sure, yeah, there's a lot of no, crap. No, they wouldn't. But that's how that's how everything is. That's every genre. That's every book. That there's always going to be tons of crap, and no matter what yeah. you look at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I think we need to. Uh, I don't know. Just calm down with the. It's a shitty summer and horror's dead. It's, it's, it's not. I. I'm tired of being depressed about it. Let's embrace it. Let's be proud of what it is and lead the charge saying, yes, there's going to be a bunch of good horror movies coming out and we're going to be there. And if we have to watch the crap to pick out the good stuff, then that's what we do as horror fans. So Mm -hmm. yeah, just wanted to get your thoughts and thoughts of uh, your listeners and everything. Cause I know I'm not the only optimistic guy out there. Uh, That's it. Toodles. I'm sorry, did you just say toodles? Okay, I was with you up until toodles. All right, there was a lot in that call, Zombard. A lot that just kept repeating over and over again. I'm just kidding. No, um, I hear what you're saying with pessimism, and that's one of the reasons why I went into doing this podcast in the first place, because there are shows that I had to stop listening to. Because all they ever did was bash on everything they reviewed and bashed it so hard it made you feel stupid. No, scratch that. Make me feel stupid if I happen to enjoy the movie or even if I kind of enjoyed the movie or even if I didn't hate the movie, they told me why I was stupid. And I think the internet in general, if you look at the IMDb uh, IMDb reviews, if you look at Netflix reviews, if you listen to podcasts, bad reviews are more interesting and entertaining than good reviews. And I think over time, people just enjoy hearing themselves bitch. It's a way to put yourself in a superior position and then just always have something to talk down to. My thing is that I don't understand is that I hear so many podcasts, like I'm saying, even ones that I haven't stopped listening to, where they seem to hate everything that they talk about. Why do you keep podcasting? Why do you keep podcasting in a genre that you hate? Nobody's got a gun to your head. If you don't like it, move on. Why are you torturing yourself? And why are you bringing your negativity in towards me? Now, okay, granted, I'm notorious for having very pointed views. Pointed opinions is what I meant to say. However, if you go back and listen to the show, really, how many things do I bash? Uh, Off the top of my head, I can think of maybe three. Out of 18 shows, that's not bad. I try to find the good things, and and people have said to me, oh, Patrick, when are you going to start ripping things apart again? You're so much more entertaining. And I said, well, I'm not going to start ripping unless it's deserved. Because I know I don't like to hear people complain that much, you know. It just it, when there's an occasional bad movie, sure it can be funny. But if everything always sucks all the time, then why am I listening to you? I already know your answers. I already know I shouldn't probably, probably go see this movie because it's gonna suck. Because you said so, and I, I don't know. I just don't have time for it. I let it wash off my back. I will let it wash off my back. I believe is what I just said, and I believe that's Swiss or something, um, with an umlaut. Zombart, I think you could fight it as much as you want, but I've decided that all I can do is just stand and hold my own. You know, take ultimately nothing anybody else says is going to affect how I enjoyed a film. For the most part, you can give me a hundred thousand reasons why I should hate a movie that I loved, and I probably won't change my opinion. And there's nothing wrong with that. So, Zombart, you just hold on. You just hold on, girl. Hold on to your ideals and your dreams, and let the haters hate, and they'll burn themselves out. And they're making themselves have a really shitty time. Look at it that way. You're out there enjoying all these movies, and they're having a crappy time. 
because they don't want to have a good time. So fuck them. Because people come here to party, right? I'm here to party, and you are guests at my party, so we're all here to have a good time. And if that involves bitching about something, so be it. But for the most part, I'm here to have fun with y'all. Even you, Zombark, and not in a gay way. Well, I can't do anything not in a gay way. Shut up, you know what I meant. And once I start launching double entendres towards Zombark, it is time to wrap this show up for this episode. Lord have mercy. Alright, but before I go, I just wanted to offer a little pre-holiday present to all of you Scream Queens fanatics out there. For staying till the end, I'm going to give you a special deal that I cooked up with Miss Peaches Christ and myself. Now, way back in episode one, you heard me rave like a lunatic about All About Evil, starring Natasha Lyonne and our very own Elvira. Well, it's coming out on DVD, and if you order before December 1st, you're going to get $5 off. Now, isn't this the kind of stocking stuffer you want to give? An unapologetic John Waters-themed gore fest starring and directed by an infamous drag queen goddess star. Of course you do. So head on over to store.peacheschrist.com and order it now. And tell them I sent you. Because that would be nice of you. And, of course, if you want to get in touch with me directly, you can drop me a line at crew at screamqueens.com. And, as always, that's queens with a Z. Or you can give me a call on the telephone at 347-767-3509. You can like me on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter. You can friend me on the Xbox Live at Red Menace space NYC, all lowercase. So until next time, please continue to make the world a scarier place. Please counteract all this holly jolly Christmas crap with a little bit of delicious Scream Queen's darkness. And remember, as my grandmama used to say, Size doesn't matter. (laughs) That's hilarious. Bye. Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com, bitches!